Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. This is it. Opening day is this week, just three days away. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, July 20th. Frank Stample alongside Scott White, Chris Towers. And on Friday, I hinted we might have a special guest. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, you already know who it is because you see him. But he was kind enough to take a break from beer, meat, and FFT. Welcome back to the show, Heath Cummings. Uh. What's up, Who Heath? says that I'm not consuming beer and meat right now? That is, <laughs> that is a fair to, you'll question. You'll have to tune into the YouTube channel <laughs> to know for sure. Oh, man. Uh, so, usually... I t- if you can't watch, Heath's just got a tomahawk ribeye. <laughs> and he's just eating it like an ice cream cone. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something new. Because uh, most Mondays, I... Intro of the show, I asked Scott and Chris how their weekend was, and honestly, I'm, I'm not met with, with much here, Heath. So they mentioned you were the guy that usually has the big weekend responses. Heath, how was your weekend? It was fantastic. Saturday night, my 10-year-old told me that he wanted to try some Brazilian food, so I grilled some picanha and made farofa, and we had some rice and beans. And then Sunday night, I grilled bison burgers. It was really a fantastic weekend full of barbecue and beer and pool. That's probably more so up Chris's alley than anybody else here on the podcast because I'm pretty much a chicken finger and, and French fry kind of guy. I mean, look, I love, don't get me wrong, a, a good chicken finger, like a, a Longhorn Steakhouse chicken finger. Ooh. I can go to town on that. But, you know, I, you got to broaden your horizons too. I do. I Admittedly, just like, look, there's so many movies I haven't seen. There's so much food I haven't tried. Look, I have to broaden the horizons across the board. So I... At least I acknowledge it. Scott, we'll skip with the pleasantries. I know how much uh, you don't enjoy those. I'll just ask yeah. you, did you watch any baseball this weekend? Because we had quite a few games on TV. I should probably say I did. <laughs> so, did you? That's my answer. Okay. <laughs> Chris, um, I'm just going to stop bashing Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton because every time I do, they well, make me yeah, look Yeah, I do want to say, like, I turned on the Yankees-Mets game uh, last night. Every time and you look up, somebody was hitting a very, bomb. Literally the very first pitch when I turned it on was a Giancarlo Stanton home run, like 430 feet into the left field bleachers. Yeah, he, was, he was waiting for you, Chris. He's he, good, he sensed guys. It. He's good, guys. Aaron Judge, good. Luke Voigt, also homered yesterday. Good. Yankees yeah. are a really good team. They got lots of good players. You want them on your fantasy team, especially if these yahoos 
are going to tell you not to draft them. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Yahoo. Well, I think Scott has Aaron Judge in his uh, bus. Scott hates hey, Giancarlo Stanton. I took, just like I took Giancarlo Stanton out of Busts 1.0 when I did 2.0, I took Aaron Judge out of Bust 2.0 Coward. when I did 2.1. Uh, we, know, we know the darkness that's in your heart towards Giancarlo Stanton. You can't change it in writing and still well, like Esther. I, I may still have darkness in my heart, maybe, but not as much as the community as a whole seem to. Because when, when Judge is falling to like round six and beyond, to me, it's reminiscent of Clayton Kershaw last year, where I had Clayton Kershaw on my bust list and then ended up with a ton of him because he hurt his shoulder in spring training and nobody wanted him anymore. Uh, I mean, I, I have no reason to believe Judge is unhealthy at this point. Two homer game and uh, wasn't that the second two homer game he's had? He, in, he hits lots of home runs. He Every time he plays, it seems like he's doing big things. And so I don't really worry about the rib anymore. I was never worried about him sleeping wrong on his neck. So he's 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 fine. He shouldn't he probably shouldn't fall past round four. But if he does, that that's that's definitely where I'm going to seize that opportunity. Now I'm really curious, like because I provided a list of names today that I really liked at their ADP. And I'm curious how many of them have been on one of Scott's bust lists at some point this offseason. <laughs> well, we're about uh, to is find this out. List... Okay, I, 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 we're going by position. Okay, I see it. Uh, Heath, one thing that you will learn is that I am also a Yankee fan like Adam, but just the complete opposite. Everything for me is pessimism, doom and gloom. Uh, Aaron Judge wakes up with a stiff neck. I tell everyone he's not going to play the rest of the season. So uh, we are just completely. So you're a Yankees fan. You're a podcast host, and you also eat like a child. So very much like Adam. <laughs> yeah, not much has changed today on the show. We have uh, a lot of news from the weekend to get to. Plus, Heath will let us know his favorite targets uh, for this season, and we'll do a little bit of ADP review for those still drafting. I have four drafts in the next three days, so. We've got a lot to get to. Let's jump right in. Heath, why don't you get us started with uh, your favorite player to target at their current cost? Uh, well, it was either going to be Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton. So <laughs> I had put both of them in my favorite outfielders to draft at cost. And just, you know, I was looking at CBS ADP. I think that they're both going just a little bit earlier in terms of uh, some of the other places out there. But I, I, like these were guys that were drafted in the second and third round last time we thought they were really fully healthy. And I don't really know much reason that Aaron Judge wouldn't be a second-round hitter this year. Yeah, so according to NFBC ADP in the month of July, Aaron Judge is going to pick 59, which is the round 5, uh, round 5-6 turn, uh, the 13th outfielder off the board. And then Giancarlo Stanton is pick 67 going off the board in round 6. He is the 18th outfielder off the board. We basically got into all of it here at the top, but... Uh, yeah, I think it's it's probably time for me to uh, stop bashing these guys. One thing well, I want to point out about Giancarlo Stan, the lowest his ADP had ever been before this in NFC drafts, because that's the one you can look back at year over year, coming off the 2016 season when he hit 240 with an 815 OPS, so by far the worst season of his career, uh, he was the 39th player off the board. It's not like injury... We're well, not gonna do this, look, there's the, there's We're also, not going to do you know, it again. So, there are no performance concerns with Giancarlo Stanton. That is absurd to say. He's great. <laughs> he I is. mean, he wasn't he wasn't nearly as good as he usually is in 2018, which was the last time we saw him play full season. Um, eh. But that aside, 
Like even even to Heath's point about why wouldn't Aaron Judge if if we had no health concerns, why wouldn't he be a second rounder? I think he was originally a third rounder for me before we found out about the rib. Uh, like there are six rounds worth of second round hitters that's this year. That's that's a big part of it. So it's just such a high threshold because of the way the hitting pool was transformed last year uh, that that's that's why you have to be particularly selective with that group. And and look, even on a per game basis last year, judge didn't perform like a second rounder. So that's why he didn't make that threshold for me. He does have more of a track record than some of those guys, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crowded group. Yeah. For me, the reason why I've been fading these guys is because I think that what they provide, which is mostly power, is something that you can find later on in the draft. I love Fran Mil Reyes a little bit later on. Kyle Schwarber could give you power as well. Will they give it to the level that a Stanton or a Judge will give it to you? Maybe not, but I'm willing to wait, you know, the 50, 60 picks or so uh, to find out. But look, if these guys are healthy now in that lineup, in that ballpark, I admit they can very easily make me look stupid. So I'll just preface that, preface the whole show with that here regarding Judge and Stan. Some of the news and notes from the weekend, we have a lot to get to. Um, the Blue Jays will not be playing in Toronto. We found that out over the weekend. Where will they play? That is the uh, the magic question. And I saw that there was a report just before we started here. They're currently looking into their AAA park in Buffalo. And they're talking about PNC Park potentially sharing um, that park with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Scott, what's the latest that you've seen regarding this? Yeah, I'm not sure how much traction the PNC Park thing has, but that's the most recent development I've seen. And apparently um, apparently the players are pushing for an MLB park, I guess. I don't know if it's just a facilities thing or what. They just want to they just want to play. I would assume it's it's a lot better to play in an MLB park than a triple A park. And yeah, I haven't I saw somewhere that the the Pirates and Blue Jays schedule were almost entirely opposite, so there wouldn't be much conflict there. I mean, at some point, they may have to bring a, another venue in if they decide to go the PNC Park route, but that's how PNC Park ended up in this mix. Um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I'd rather than play at Buffalo because some hitters would gain value, and, you know, we're more... The pitchers they have that are good, Ryu and Pearson, I wouldn't worry so much about and I wouldn't worry about so much in a smallish venue uh, because their skills would, I think, hold up there. But I'd like to see the hitters benefit from the short right center in Buffalo, which is like 365 feet away or something like that. PNC Park, obviously a pitcher's park, especially especially not good for uh, for right-handed batters, players who hit the ball to left field. Per ESPN. Starting Shohei Otani on Sundays makes the most sense because three of the Angels' six off days are on Mondays in this shortened season, so that maximizes the number of games Otani will impact with this plan. Otani is in line for 10 starts as a pitcher and 34 starts as a hitter. Chris, I've basically said that I'm not going to be drafting Otani in head-to-head points leagues because I just don't know how much volume he's going to give you, but still in a head-to-head categories league or a daily lineup league, I think that that is where Otani makes the most sense to draft for this season and, and probably every season, if we're being honest. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, in the future, Shohei Otani could be a legitimate, like, weekly Roto League stud. Like, if he reaches a point where he can make, you know, 28 starts every year at a regular workload, then, yeah, I think he's going to be a must-start guy no matter what. But this year, you know, looking at what he's done so far in his kind of interest squad rehab starts, 
Uh, I think it's 41 of the 110 pitches he has thrown in his last two starts have been recorded as strikes. Uh, he is maxed out at 60 uh, in his most recent one, which was a week ago. So I actually, I assume he's pitched more recently than that. I just don't see, I haven't seen any reports on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm not expecting a full workload from Shohei Otani, even in the 10 starts he makes. And the problem when you're looking at a weekly league is he's pitching on Sunday. That means if there's a rain out, if he gets pushed back, you just lost the whole week and you got, I, you maybe got four hitting starts out of it. Like I just, yeah, I, I don't see Shohei Otani as someone as either a hitter or a pitcher, uh, obviously emphasis on or because if he's an and hitter and pitcher then you know that makes it a little more viable but if you have to pick hitter or pitcher for a week i don't think he's much more than a bench spot guy i i kind of feel the same way and i'm glad you brought that brought that up about sundays because it it felt like he was on that every sunday track two years ago too i don't know if the angels were as vocal about their plans for him, but it just seemed like that kept happening. He was lined up to start Sunday and either that game got rained out or run one earlier in the week got rained out and pushed everybody back. Now, if the latter happens, if a start gets rained out, I don't know that it would push everybody back under Joe Madden. I think Otani is a higher priority at this point. And uh, since they're going six men anyway, it affords them some wiggle room like that, but it's just, it's just the most, the most potentially uh, ruinous day that he could start for for a weekly league for your lineup is locked and you may get nothing out of him this week if if something goes wrong there on Sunday. Because normally when pitchers are starting Sunday, they're making their second start, so it's not that yeah. big of a deal. But for Otani, it would be. And yeah, for what I, it's worth, he did make his most recent start, 45 of 72 pitches for strikes, six strikeouts and five innings. Just wanted to throw that out there. It was okay. his best start so far, yeah. Uh, but has still maxed out at seventy-two pitches in his final tune-up. So he is still, to me, very valuable in leagues where you make daily lineup decisions. And I really think a lot more leagues this season should be those where you're making daily lineup decisions. I realize it's probably too late to change that, but like this is the optimal year to try that out. You don't have to keep up with it for near as long, and we're going to need it. There are. It's much more likely we're going to have a lot of bad midweek news this week than in past years yeah that's definitely fair and some people have actually asked questions regarding hey if i play in a weekly league should i be able to swap players out of my lineup if they test positive for covid halfway through the week because crazy things are going to happen as heath mentioned so look if you do want to play a daily lineup or you ever wanted to try it Heath's right. This is probably the year to do so. Jacob DeGrom's sim game went well over the weekend, expected to throw 85 pitches on opening day. While we're on the positive news, Anthony Rizzo seems hopeful for opening day as well. I've seen a few drafts where he was starting to slip, so uh, if he falls to you as a result, it looks like he's going to be good to go, hopefully. Cross your fingers with Anthony Rizzo. Uh, some bad news. Astros manager uh, Dusty Baker said Sunday that, quote, we're not sure when whether... Roberto Osuna will be ready for opening day. Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle reports. Um, Scott, have you moved Roberto Osuna because of this latest report? I haven't yet. I don't feel like it takes relievers long to get ready, so I'm suspecting even if he's not quite ready for opening day, it'll be soon afterward. Um, 
I would be more like, since I have Ozuna third right now, like I could see dropping him a couple spots since the investment is so high, but I can't really see like moving a potential replacement way up like a Ryan Presley, because a, I doubt it would be just one guy filling in and it would be and B it would probably be for so short that like, it's not, it's not really something I'd make a significant investment in. Xander Bogarts left Sunday's inter-squad matchup with hamstring tightness, so something to pay attention to. It doesn't sound too severe, but just pay attention. Brewers manager Craig Council said Sunday that he has been pleased with Corey Knable's velocity during his throwing sessions in summer camp. Adam McAlvey of MLB.com reports, quote, I think his velocity is right where he wants it to be, Council said of Knable. It looks like he had something to say there. I know I was getting forward, looking forward to the next come to me on the next news item because I'm very excited about it. All right. Willie Calhoun, who is dealing with a hip injury, had five at bats in Sunday's intra-squad game, um, which means he might be ready to go for the start of the season. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, I lied. I was reading one ahead. I was really excited about Matt Kemp on the Rockies and what they're going to do <laughs> to hold back as many young, exciting baseball players as possible. Matt Kemp, Ian Desmond, Daniel Murphy. It's a tradition like no other. Yeah. So I asked. Oh, Pat- Daniel Murphy's still going to be in there, baby. He's not going anywhere. Uh, he's not going anywhere. I asked Patrick Saunders, who covers the Rockies for the Denver Post, uh, on Twitter. You know what he thinks of uh, Matt Kemp's playing time, and and this is exactly what he had to say. He's swinging the bat great. The Rocks need his right-handed power. He'll see plenty of time at DH, which is exactly what you don't want to hear, Scott, if you were hoping for Garrett Hampson to be a breakout. Uh, yes and no. I mean, plenty of time is pretty vague. Uh, I suspected Kemp would play against most left-handers, and that, that could be exactly what he means here. They have a lot of left-handed bats. Daniel Murphy, uh, yeah, Daniel Murphy himself, Ryan McMahon, Rymel Tapia, who I think, I mean, it was mid-July, but it, it it passed me by in the moment. I saw that Rymel Tapia, a lot of beat writers were talking about him maybe getting most of the at-bats in left field rather than Sam Hilliard. But if it's Sam Hilliard, you know, he's a left-handed bat too. So I, I, I agree there will be time for Matt Kemp to play plenty, but enough that it's going to... Uh, to really jeopardize one of those younger players like Campson. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Chris, would you be looking to add Matt Kemp in any of your deeper leagues? No, I mean, I guess it is worth remembering that in 2018, he hit 290 with an 818 OPS and 506 plate appearances. He was awful last year, but he barely played 62 plate appearances. Um, I mean, he's the kind of guy who, if he did play every day for the Rockies, I would think he could probably manage something close to a 900 OPS playing at course field. That doesn't mean he's good. Right, uh, right, but it means he's competent enough. I mean, um, that's a good point. Like, should we not? Would we be better off rooting for Matt Kemp to get every day at bats than to, uh, you know, to I mean, get I, whatever we get from Sam Hilliard? It kind of, it, it just kind of taps into I think all fantasy players and analysts' bias towards the unknown and the unproven and the young guy. That yeah. there's always the assumption that there's more upside with a Sam Hilliard or a Garrett Hampson or you know a right? Like whoever the guy is who we, who we haven't seen peak. Um, but like, you know, if Matt Kemp does play every day for the Rockies, he's probably going to be a productive enough hitter unless he's just completely done. And he very well may be, but yeah. if he has anything left and he showed he did in 2018, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think there's room for Matt Kemp to be, you know, a fifth outfielder, let's say a cheap source of power and batting average. 
Yeah, I read an article on The Athletic recently where they were talking up Matt Kemp as well. So, look, in your NL-only leagues, in 15-team Roto, anything deep like that, I, I would take a flyer now, and then if he starts to play every day and he performs well, then he might work his way into you know 12-team standard lineup recognition. So, something to pay attention to with Matt Kemp. Uh, some weekend performances. I've never done this before. I don't know that Adam has either. Wait, Frank, one more. What do you got? Uh, Kyle Tucker is probably going to be the DH for the Houston Astros to start the season. Jordan Alvarez is at this point unavailable and it's not clear when he's going to be available. Um, Dusty Baker pretty much confirmed that he's going to be the DH as long as Alvarez is out. And I think the quote was he'll have plenty of other opportunities. And so, you know, when I look at Kyle Tucker, he just needs his foot in the door and he's got it now. And if Kyle Tucker for the first week of the season hits like he can Mm -hmm. and Jordan Alvarez gets back, I would guess that they're not going to take Kyle Tucker out of the lineup if he's hitting. Yeah. And so now it's just, he's got the opportunity. It was Cody Bellinger a couple of years ago. His rookie season was a similar situation. And wasn't Alvarez kind of a similar situation? We weren't sure he was up for good. I can't remember. Or maybe but it was yeah, one. I mean, Soto. obviously they, they both performed right away. Yeah. And then and then it, it 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 took any any mystery out of it. So yeah, that's a good point. And uh you know, we saw Kyle Tucker plummet in last week's drafts. I think he went we had been seeing him go like in the round nine to twelve range of Roto Leagues, and I think he went like in round 15, 16, something like that, in the one we did last week. Uh I, I mean there's I still have less hope for him today than I did two weeks ago when I just hoped he would beat out Josh Reddick outright. But yeah, I mean, Dusty Baker said he needs time to beat out Josh Reddick and he's going to have at least a little bit of time at the start of the season. So that, that means there is, there is hope there. Uh, another news item I saw, uh, Giovanni Gallegos is back in camp. Yes. And they, it, it sounds like there's a pretty good chance he'll be ready for opening day. So that, I mean, the Cardinals closer situation was never resolved, but it's, it's even more muddled than before now. And I, I don't know that we aren't right back to, to needing to prioritize Gallegos over anybody else, because I think he's the most talented of the group. Weekend performances. This is the uh, matter-o-meter. How much does this matter on a scale of one to 10? Let's start off with uh, let's start with you, Heath. Max Scherzer on Saturday night, five innings pitched, seven earned runs, two home runs allowed. How much does this matter? Zero. Zero. Yeah. On a one to ten, it matters zero. Do not let Max Scherzer slip in your drafts. Scott, in relief, just after Max Scherzer, Austin Voth, who is vying for a rotation spot with the Washington Nationals, four shutout innings, five strikeouts last season in forty-three and two-thirds innings pitched. A 3.30 ERA, 1.05 whip, over a strikeout per inning, 12.6% swinging strike rate. Austin Voth, how much does this matter? Oh, I put in like a $17 bid for him in our NL only league and won him. I know some in the fantasy communi- community are very excited about him. Like he's, he's, they're bringing up his name constantly as a sleeper. Uh, I'm not there. With him, his minor league track record is pretty uninspiring, and it's not like he was a big prospect, and he's already only 28. So just because he came up late last year and put together a few good starts with a strikeout per, I don't know that that really moves the needle for me. But if I can get him for $17 in an NL only league, you know, <laughs> why not? All right, so not there yet in shallower leagues. Is that a number? Both. What? 17? 
No, on the odometer. Oh, oh yeah, you didn't give a number. <laughs> oh, I saw. Yeah, the, thank Keith you. Not, he loves nothing more than policing these things. <laughs> uh, how much do these things matter? Okay, so the actual performance, I will give it. I will give it a five since Voth still hasn't technically won the job yet, though it looks like he's going to the starter for the Nationals. Chris, on the other side in that game, Aaron Nola, five shutout innings, one hit, one walk, four strikeouts, uh, basically against the Nationals' own opening day lineup, Sands. Victor Robles, how much does this matter? Zero. Zero. I mean, there, there was some Aaron, doubt whether or not Nola Aaron would Nola's, be Aaron ready. Nola's but, good. Yeah. He's, he's really good. He's not going to be as good as he was in 2018. He's not going to be as bad as he was in 2019. And even when he was bad in 2019, he was still pretty good. Aaron Nola is a must-start guy. If he's your number one starting pitcher, he's fine. The only reason he was falling earlier on was because he was he didn't even he didn't even test positive for COVID. Right. He right. came into contact with somebody who had tested positive. And for some reason that dropped him like three rounds <laughs> in some of the drafts I was doing. I got him in like the 60s one one draft. So now there is no reason to be concerned about Aaron Nola. Heath, Luis Robert hit two absolute bombs that I came across on Twitter on Saturday in an intra squad game. And I have uh, quite a feeling of FOMO. I have four drafts left. I have to wind up with him at, on at least one team to see what happens. How much does this matter, Luis Robert? I mean, it's probably a good reminder of what the upside is. I don't know if, how much it's necessarily going to matter. I'll give it a three or a four, but uh, it's a good reminder. And you should have a little FOMO if you don't have any of them yet. Cleveland's lineup, Scott. Cesar Hernandez was leading off Oscar Mercado batting ninth. Womp womp. How much does this matter? It matters. I'll I'll give it I'll give it a six. Uh, I don't think we had heard yet where they were planning on batting Mercado, and he's he's the most you know he's the one getting drafted in all the leagues, especially Roto for the speed there. Uh, you know, it sounds like it's going to be in the lower third of the order, if nothing else, and that's going to limit his opportunities to hit, to run, to to put up stats of any kind. So it's it's not great. Chris, I definitely did not plan on you getting the Joe Musgrove. Uh, does it matter? I'm glad or not? I did though. But three shutout innings, five strikeouts. He averaged ninety three point nine miles per hour on his fastball against the Indians. How much does it matter? I guess. I mean, like the the velocity matters a lot. Yes, that that's like a ten. The fact that the velocity is still where it was in that late season jump last season, uh, where it was during the spring training reports that got us excited. That's a really good sign. Joe Musgrove is going to be a good pitcher if he's throwing in the mid-90s consistently. I guess the fact that he only threw three innings is a little weird. I don't know if that means he won't be uh, ready for a full workload to start he, he the season. He has been throwing more. I'm not okay. sure why it was only three if it was just, you know, sometimes the last turn in spring training yeah. they make it shorter, so maybe it was just that situation. I don't know. He, had, he Musgrove had been going deeper than that. But I am I am – confident now that the velocity has been confirmed to be there that Joe Musgrove is going to be uh, a starting caliber fantasy pitcher for sure. Heath, Joe, uh, Jay Bruce was batting cleanup for the Phillies yesterday just behind JT Real Muto and just ahead of Reese Hoskins. It's a pretty nice spot in the lineup to be batting. How much does it matter? It's a pretty bad guy to be putting that spot in the lineup. It seems <laughs> like I, that doesn't matter much to me at all. They're not going to play him every day and hit him fourth. Are they? That's a terrible idea. I mean, uh, it, I don't think they're going to play him against lefties. Yeah, but he'll be the everyday DH against righties. It, uh, I guess it's at the expense of Hoskins. Hoskins moves like why? 
Hoskins is at least good at getting on base. This has to be one of those things where he just hit fourth. Yeah. Because it was his birthday or something. Yeah, you miss. (laughs) You know who you miss right now? Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler never would have put Jay Bruce ahead of Reese Hoskins in the lineup. (laughs) Don't ever say. Nobody ever misses Gabe Kapler. Nobody ever misses Gabe Kapler. I mean, and Giants are about to. If he's got two, if they've got 261 on base percentage, Jay Bruce batting cleanup all season, we might miss Gabe Kapler. Listen, I think I think Joe Girardi is a top five manager. So regardless of what the starting lineup looks like, I think they upgraded at manager personally. I mean, just saying, I, I think you as a Marlins fan should be able to appreciate Mar- Marlins fans do not like Joe Girardi. Oh, really? I don't know if you know this, but he ruined Josh Beckett's career. Oh, okay. that's not actually fair, but he brought Josh Beckett back <laughs> from like a two and a half hour rain delay after he had already thrown five innings. It was completely ridiculous. And he had Tommy John surgery like three weeks later or something. So that was, that yeah. was okay. That was after the, yeah, that was literally, right after the world. Series, literally right? 12 yeah. years ago. Uh, yeah. In 2009, but still. <laughs> he, had, he went on to have a pretty good career anyway. Definitely more Josh Beckett talk than I thought we would get to today. Jordan Montgomery, Scott, looked pretty damn good against the Mets yesterday. Five shutout innings, two hits, one walk, six Oh, not Ks. Josh Beckett, Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson. Oh, okay. Josh Johnson, that actually matters a little bit more. I was a big yeah. Josh Johnson fan. Josh Beckett pitched in the majors more recently than Josh Johnson. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Montgomery, Scott, he averaged 92 miles per hour on his sinker, 92.8 miles per hour on his four-seam fastball. Both of those were higher than his breakout 2017. He had 15 swinging strikes on 59 pitches. How much does this matter for Jordan Montgomery? Pretty big. This is uh, this might be an eight for me. I had kind of cooled on Montgomery as a sleeper in the months since spring training. Uh, but this might... This might reinvigorate me. That that is some kind of efficiency. Fifty nine pitches in five innings and fifteen swinging strikes on fifty nine pitches, and it was against another team. You know, I, I wonder sometimes about the results in these inter squad games. You know, with with like fake umpires, like what what if it's really if they're really getting game conditions? Uh, but you know, I, I would think against an opposing team like this, it would be closer. And he was doing this kind of stuff in spring training too. It might be, it might be time to, to, uh, to call Montgomery a sleeper again. Chris Robinson Cano bat was batting third over the weekend. And apparently it sounds like he's going to bat third all season long. I don't know how much the guy has left in the tank, but I think if he is batting third in this lineup, it's a pretty damn good lineup, and I think just batting third alone will keep him somewhat fantasy relevant. Yeah, I've had the feeling that Robinson Cano was being overlooked, uh, but I haven't really been willing to put my, my, I don't know, reputation on it. But, I mean, you look back at 2018. This is another guy who had a really good 2018. Yes, he was suspended for PEDs, and that always causes people to say, well, he was only good because of that, but he had a 304 XBA and a 505 X slug, and he had an average exit velocity of 93.1 miles an hour. Robinson Cano was really good in 2018, and he was awful last year. There's no way around that, but a bounce back isn't totally out of the question. You know, he still had above average exit velocity. He still made pretty good contact. So I think there is room for Robinson Cano to have a bounce back and be a starting caliber second baseman. Um, I can't say I have him on any of my rosters, but you know, if you're in a 15 team league, especially, I think he's probably worth a look. How much does it matter on the matter meter? 
Uh, the he's batting third. I think it's like a ten. Ten. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I only mean, ten it, of the day regarding Robinson third, Cano. A lot. I don't know if it matters enough to like. It matters if he's good. Uh, Ultimately, to like fair, it's, to be fair, I think Chris has only awarded zeros and tens so far. Well, yeah, it either matters or it doesn't, and this matters. <laughs> you know, like that's it doesn't guarantee that he'll be good by any stretch, but if he is good, it matters a ton. The last one I'll mention is Cody Bellinger had three hits last night, including a grand slam. I would say that the swing looks pretty good. I think he's all right. Uh, also, Zach Wheeler returned yesterday to camp and made a start. Uh, four and a third innings pitch. We had two earned runs and four strikeouts. His wife is still uh, set to give birth to their child any day now, so we'll have to see uh, what happens regarding Zach Wheeler. But he did look pretty good yesterday. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to give you Heath's Favorite players at each position and a little bit of ADP review for those still drafting. We'll do that here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. We're back here, Fantasy Baseball Today, and Heath, let's get into some of your favorite players here. We already talked about Stanton and Judge at the top, but it feels like we've talked about Stanton for every podcast over the past four months. Um, so let's get into catcher here, and one of your favorites, Salvador Perez, who in the month of July, he has an ADP in round 15, according to the NFBC. Mind you, the NFBC is where a lot of roto drafts are taking place, and in a two-catcher league, you're getting Salvador Perez in round 15. Um, Heath, I'm a huge fan of this pick, and Salvador Perez is someone that I have targeted quite frequently as well. I expected like a, a an audible noise from Scott White, just uh, how funny it was that I picked Salvador Perez. But no, I just think, uh, like, I, I don't know for sure that Salvador Perez is going to be a top five catcher. I think that should probably be the expectation. But if nothing else, he shouldn't be drafted five rounds after the number five catcher, Mitch Garver. Like he should be right in that same area i expect he's still as he did before he got hurt i expect, expect he's still going to play more than the average catcher um and he's going to put up some numbers he's right in the middle of that royals lineup it's not a good lineup but where you hit in the lineup matters more than the quality of the lineup yeah and he's probably gonna hit 250 maybe 260 but a solid source of power 21 or more uh, home runs in four straight seasons before last year obviously he didn't play last year so uh, I'm with you I just think that you know his price tag should probably be higher when it comes to Salvador Perez um, some ADP review at the catcher position 
Again, NFBC ADP in the month of July. JT Real Muto going in round four. So he has continuously climbed up boards here. Um, pick 44 off the board. Gary Sanchez, pick 89, round eight. I just want to pause right shocking. there. That's crazy to me. I wanted to pause there because, look, if you get Gary Sanchez 55 picks later than JT Real Muto, yeah. that 45. seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I think I think Real Muto belongs 45, in a tier correct. of his own. Uh, I think he's more. I think he's the odds-on favorite to lead the catcher position in plate appearances and games played. Um, but like Gary Sanchez is really good, and if he hits 260 this year, he might be the number one catcher. Yeah, you know, like that's that's the kind of player we're looking at. He has like by far the best power potential at the position. Yeah. Well, by far might be and like Mitch Garver's up there, I think. Will right, but Mitch Smith Garver's had there. one year where he's done what Gary Sanchez I, I has done like, as a power yeah, Gary, in his whole career. Gary Sanchez deserves to go ahead of Mitch Garver. And the gap the gap between Sanchez and Garver should probably be bigger than it is between Real Muto and Sanchez. But I I say this as somebody who originally had Gary Sanchez ranked number one at the position, too. I, I moved Real Muto ahead of him at some point in March. And I think the shortened season justifies that even more. But yeah. like when once Real Muto is already gone, I'm pretty much just waiting around for Garver at that point. I don't know. That's just the way I've approached it. After Sanchez, Yasmani Grandal with an ADP of 112. That's in round 10. Wilson Contreras, 116, also round 10. Mitch Garver, 119. All three of those catchers going in round 10. And then you see a huge drop in ADP where Will Smith is the sixth catcher off the board. Uh, in round 14, Salvador Perez, we mentioned, round 15. Wilson Ramos in round 15. Omar Nervaez, round 17. Christian Vasquez, round 18. Carson Kelly, round 18. And Jorge Alfaro in round 19, just behind uh, Alfaro. Sean Murphy and Yadier Molina, who are... I know Murphy for sure is a fan favorite here on the show. Yadier Molina, I mean, he's old. Still kind of serviceable, but does go very late. Scott, you are right with... Uh, Yadier Molina, if you're just waiting? Yeah, I, I think I think for the same reason JT Real Muto benefits from 60-game season with most weeks guaranteed an off day, uh, Molina would too. I mean, he's, he's up there in terms of how consistently he plays, even at his old age. And uh, I, I, I think I elevate him in the, the kind of schedule we're going to get now. Just, you know, it, there's a good chance he's going to separate himself on volume. Heath, at first base, who is one of your favorite targets here? We might actually be able to get a little uh, debate between you and Scotty here on this one. Good, good. Well, no, I think Scott changed his mind when he saw uh, the new look for Reese Hoskins. But mm. I just don't really believe, like, if last year was the downside for Reese Hoskins, I'm kind of okay with it. And I expect him to be better than he was last year. I think he got a little bit unlucky in terms of run production. I expect he's going to have a better home run to fly ball ratio than he does. He walks a ton. He has great power. What's not like not to like? Yeah, I don't know exactly how his change his his approach of the plate, his stance, changing that. I don't know what that's going to mean for him statistically. What kind of impact that's going to have? There haven't been, you know, he didn't go on some kind of tear in spring training or here in summer camp to to really validate that change, which doesn't mean it's not going to have an effect. It just means I, I, I have no clue, but I'm not, I'm not tempted to elevate him based on that either. Uh, the, the home run to fly ball rate. 
Like for a power hitter, somebody known for hitting a lot of home runs, Reese Hoskins makes pretty weak contact. So like he hits a ton of fly balls, but just like hitting a ton of fly balls seems to be the source of his power more than the kind of contact he makes for how hard he hits the ball. And uh, like that, that is a recipe for a low batting average, which he delivered last year. It was especially low last year. And in fact, it was under 200 for the last four months. He walks a lot, which counteracts it pretty well. Still had a 364 on base percentage. That's good. Um, and that might be enough to save him. I'm, I'm not as worried about Reese Hoskins over 60 game seasons as I was over a full length season because my worry over 60 game season, if he comes out of the gate hitting under 200 like that for a couple months, like, do they replace him at some point? Does he go the way of Chris Carter? who had you know, a similar offensive profile. But in, in a 60-game season, I, I don't really worry so much that there's time for him to lose his job. But I don't think he deserves to go higher than he does. I mean, he's going to be a liability in batting average. Reese Hoskins in the month of July, an ADP of 126. He's going in round 11. He really represents the final first baseman that I would want as a starting first baseman on my teams, regardless of format, if it's Roto. Points League, again, he walks a ton, so that's going to help. And I think if he could just get back to the player he was in the first half last year, where he hit 263, 401, 530, was his triple slash, with 20 home great. runs and 59 <laughs> ribbies. Yeah. I I'll mean, just ask a couple questions. Why would you draft Reese Hoskins if Miguel Sano's still there? Well, they go uh, at... Miguel Sano will have... Miguel right. Sano comparisons, Chris. But he'll have first base <laughs> eligibility this week. Like after the first week of the season, right? No, I agree with you. I as as somebody who who uh, would wonder why somebody would take Chris Davis if Miguel Sano is still there. I also <laughs> wonder why somebody would take Reese Hoskins if Miguel Sano is still there. Well, Chris Davis goes later than Miguel Sano, but th- then the other question I would I would ask is why would you take Reese Hoskins when Luke Voigt's still there? Well, what I mean, really, like the part of the problem for me is like I think Luke Voigt should probably be a top ten first baseman. Mm-hmm. Like I would take him. I don't know if I would take him ahead of Jose Abreu, but I'm expecting similar production from them. And I think yeah. Luke Voigt is kind of a cheat code uh, at first base this year. Like he's going 194th overall. I don't know what that is in July, but it's probably not too much higher. And so like when you say he's the last first baseman, well, you know, yeah. No, I'm with you, Chris. I think Luke. I would be fine with Luke Voigt as my first baseman. It's just everybody going around Luke Voigt. I would not be fine with as my sure. first baseman. Right. That's, so, it's, so if you it's miss hard out on to him. aim for Luke Voigt right. specifically because if you yeah. miss, yeah, I just I take him at like 150 instead of 200. Yeah, yeah. his ADP <laughs> in July is 189. So if you want to assure that you get him, you pull him off the draft board a little bit. Um, Chris, my only retort for uh, Hoskins versus Sano is health. You know, Hoskins sure. has played 153 or more games each of the past two seasons, Sano, especially in a shortened season. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. As much as sure. I love Sano, and I, I do like Sano a lot, but if he misses time in a 60-game season, that's amplified. Yep, that's fair. Uh, ADP for first base in July. Cody Bellinger, of course, he's all alone in the first round. He's going fourth overall. Freddie Freeman, his ADP this month is 26, round three. Scott, where do you think Freddie Freeman settles back in? Because it sounds like he's going to be ready for opening day. Yeah, I think he settles back into being mid-second or early second even. I, I think uh, we're going to do the podcast listeners league draft tonight. That's the head-to-head points one. So maybe, you know, it depends how early they go, 
how much they pile up pitching early, this particular group. But um, if they don't, then I expect Freeman to go about that early again. Sounds like he's going to be ready, so why not? It's interesting. Over the last five days, even if you just limit it to July 15th through 20th, the 20th, he's actually fallen. I noticed from that. The it's very weird. July. That doesn't make any sense. Freddie Freeman is one of the six or seven best hitters in baseball. Yeah, I agree. Like, and that's being ungenerous. I think he I w- should be closer to that one-two turn once again, uh, late yeah. first, early second round. I don't. If that continues, I'm going to draft a lot of Freddie Freeman this week. Absolutely. And why wouldn't you? Pete Alonzo, pick 34 in round three. Matt Olson, 51 in round five. Max Muncy and DJ LeMahieu basically going the same point, pick 75 in round seven. Jose Abreu, one pick later. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, 79 in round seven. Anthony Rizzo slipping again a little bit, 86 in round eight. Josh Bell, 101 in round nine. Reese Hoskins, we talked about, pick 126 in round 11. And then Carlos Santana rounding out the top 12, pick 144, the 12th, 13th um, turn there. But of course, in a head-to-head points league, uh, his ADP is like in the sixth or seventh round. And that's exactly where it should be for Carlos Santana. Second base, Heath, we've already mentioned the name today. Why don't you reveal... uh, the player you like yeah. to target at second base. Yeah, the leadoff hitter for the Cleveland Indians, Cesar Hernandez. This is not the first time I've made this argument either. Um, I think you're going to get a guy that hits around 280, steals 15 to 20 bases, and scores 100 runs in the 21st round. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I wrote about Cesar Hernandez as a sleeper way back in March, I guess it is now. Um, and because if you were watching spring training then, he was hitting near the top of the lineup. And you know, under Terry Francona, Terry lets people run. So I don't think Cesar Hernandez is the fastest player, but can he give you a 15 to 20 steal pace in a shortened season? I mean, if he leads off for that lineup, 90 run pace, maybe 100. It's I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, his ADP is 245 in round 21 as the 23rd second baseman off the board. So I can definitely get behind it there with Cesar Hernandez. Uh, ADP review for second base. No second baseman going in the first two rounds. Something we've talked about. It's uh, not really a top-heavy position. It's rather a very shallow position. Glaber Torres, pick 29 in round three. Ozzy Albies, pick 32 in round three. Cattell Marte, pick 39 in round four. Jose Altuve, pick 39 in round four. Kesson Hiera, pick 40 in round four. Jonathan VR, pick 42 in round four. So you have... Six second basemen that are going within 13 picks of each other. Scott, based on the average draft position of those players, who would you prefer in that range? Oh, Cattell Marte. He's toward the back end of that range, and I actually have him as my number one second baseman. So that's, I'm sure I have the most shares of him. So that's how it's been playing out in the drafts I've been doing. I like Hero a lot too. I mean, Hero's going only one pick later. And he might have the most upside at the position. I think it's. A, I think if you're just measuring upside, it's a close call between Hira and Marte. And I guess Altuve would be right there too. So all of them in that thirty, going thirty ninth or fortieth, those would be the three I'd focus on out of this group. After VR, Whit Merrifield pick sixty five in round six. Max Muncy pick seventy five in round seven. DJ Lemayhu also pick seventy five in round seven. Uh, Jeff McNeil pick ninety one in round eight. Mike Moustakis, pick 97 in round 9. And then Kevin Biggio, pick 125 in round 11. On to shortstop. Heath, who's your favorite shortstop? 
You actually share this with Adam Azer credit for this one, which I hate giving him credit for anything. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll go with Carlos Correa. Like, and, I, and I'm not. You mentioned with Miguel Sano, you were worried because like the injuries. I'm kind of of the opinion this year that like it's a 60 game season. It's not going to last that long. You might as well shoot for the moon. If everybody gets hurt, then it's going to be over fast anyway. Yeah, there are two. <laughs> I realize that there are two different ways that this could go. And you can look at a glass half full, glass half empty. Um, I'm a little bit more pessimistic when it comes to the injuries. So I, I typically don't draft Carlos Correa. But basically everybody else on this podcast, Heath included, uh, you guys are all fans of Carlos Correa. I can't knock the talent. It's just whether or not he can stay on the field. It's, it's weird because I feel like him and the 14 shortstops ahead of them, they're they're kind of all shooting for the moon. Like it's... There's so much upside at this position. And among those high upside players, Carlos Correa seems like the riskiest. You know, I'd put it, I actually have him ahead of Tim Anderson. Uh, I think Tim Anderson has a fair amount of risk just in his hitting profile, but I, I seem to be in the minority there. Most people are, are pretty comfortable with the idea he's going to help in batting average and, and stolen bases. So, you know, I might put, I might put Corey Seager in this group as somebody who has second round type upside. Yeah, Corey yeah, Seager. They're, they're kind of, you're kind of shooting for the moon with all of them. So I don't, I don't even know that, oh, Carlos Correa is his great discount. And look, at, you, you might end up outperforming every other team at this position by taking him there. No, but maybe he'll hang with most other teams. I mean, if Carlos Correa is healthy, he's probably the sixth best shortstop. I, there, I cannot say that with any degree of confidence. I mean, I I feel pretty confident that if, if Carlos Correa plays the same number of games as Glaber Torres, he's going to be better than him. Confident? I mean, I yeah, feel like confidence. they're kind of similar yes. players at this there's point. Been one, there's been one year where that hasn't been true for Carlos Correa, basically since his like his rookie season was true. He was better than, Carlos, than Glaber Torres was last year uh, in fantasy. His second year, it wasn't true. And 2018, it wasn't true. But three out of the five years in 2018 was mostly just because of injuries. But on a per-game basis, just as a hitter, he's been better than Glaber Torres. Well, Glaber Torres usually being drafted as a second baseman, so I don't, I don't even necessarily think of him as a shortstop usually. But, I, I mean, I get that argument, sure. It really would not surprise me, at least... At 23 years old, if he just takes another step, too. I, I don't Not think that's right, out of the realm of possibility. Gleyber Torres also has to be better this year to be as good as he was last year, I think. Oh, no, you're right. About, like, I don't draft Gleyber Torres. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. But, I mean, 820 OPS as a rookie, 871 last year. I, I don't think it would shock anyone if he gets that up to 900 and he's betting third in, in the Yankees lineup, which is obviously a, um, a very favorable spot to be in for fantasy purposes. Uh, ADP at this position... Uh, Francisco Lindor, Trey Turner, Trevor Story, all first-round picks. Uh, according to the NFBC, in the month of July, Fernando Tatis is going one pick ahead of Alex Bregman, which, Scott, you probably find insane. Oof, a big thumbs down there from Scotty. Um, Not good. Glaber Torres, we mentioned, going in the third round. Adalberto Montesi. Uh Heath, I did want to ask you quickly, because uh, I saw you tweet once about Adalberto Montesi. You said, if there's any season to draft him, it's probably a 60-game season, no? Oh, he's proven in the past he can play 60 games without getting hurt. 
He's just never been able to play 150 without getting hurt. So yeah, I, again, this is the type of guy. And I, when I was originally looking at CBS ADP, he is much, much, much lower because obviously he should be in a points league, but I still think he'd be kind of a value there. I'm not sure he's a value here. No, he's not a value um, in the third round, which is high. But I guess people in the NFBC uh, want their steals again. Last year at the 60-game mark, Adalberto Mondesi led baseball with 22 steals and a 280 batting average. Javier Baez going in the third round. Jonathan Villar, Xander Bogarts, and Bo Bichette. Bo Bichette all the way up to the fourth round, something we've talked about. Um, Manny Machado in round six. Tim Anderson in round eight. Marcus Semien at the 8-9 turn. Uh, Carlos Correa in round nine. And of course, Corey Seager, someone we like to mention often here at pick 140 in round 12. What is going on? Third base, quite a deep position. Heath, who do you like uh, in terms of value here at third base? Another guy who is going higher in this format than he is at CBS, but Mike Moustakis is going 30 picks later than Manny Machado. And Manny Machado outside of Camden Yards has basically been Mike Moustakis Mm -hmm. in his career. Um, I, in that ballpark, he might hit 40 home runs this year as exceptional value in my mind. Oh gosh. Uh, well, Heath, I thought we were yes. friends. It's, it's now time for you to leave. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm on Manny Machado Island here on the show. So did he get traded back to the Orioles? Yeah. Why would, why would it change at this point? Right. I'm just, <laughs> just going to continue <laughs> to ride it out with Manny Machado. Uh, again, third base, a very deep position. Jose Ramirez uh, going at that one, two turn pick 13 Arenado pick 14 Bregman pick 18 Devers pick 25 in round three, Anthony Rendon slipping a little bit. Um, Scott, do you think this is because of the most recent he's dealing with an oblique? He says he should be ready for opening day, but yeah. I've most consistently seen him in the second round. So it's, Kind of surprised yeah. to see him here at pick twenty nine. It it might have to do with that, and I don't think it's I don't think it's entirely unjustified. I, I mean, they they say it was more of like a tweak of his oblique than anything else. They say he's going to be ready. Obliques obliques are something that you can re-injure pretty easily, though. And uh, I I could see this becoming something worse for Rendon. You know, if if he was falling a full round then I would just welcome the discount. But I, I would probably be with this group and hesitating at the end of round two, taking Anthony Rendon, given how short the season is and how you can't really afford to afford for any of your for early round picks to miss time. I'm more worried about Rendon than Freeman at this point, I would say. Chris, you're on the clock tonight. Would you take Rafi Devers or Anthony Rendon? He's thinking. He's thinking. <laughs> Rendon. Question mark? Yeah, I mean, I guess I I guess my preference would just be to take Devers at the end of the second round and then, you know, maybe Anthony Rendon falls a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I think Rendon's the better player. Vlad Guerrero, um, ADP of 59, going at the 5-6 turn. Chris Bryant going in round six. Manny Machado and Yuan Moncada also in round six. A. Eugenio Suarez. Pick 73 in round seven. Uh, I'm going to skip over Muncie and DJ LeMayhew. I think most people are probably using them at first or second base. Josh Donaldson in round eight. Jeff McNeil and Matt Chapman also in round eight. And then Mike Moustakis we talked about in round nine. Uh, Miguel Sano pick 123 in round 11. Heath, you talked about Judge and Stanton at the top of the show as two of your favorite values in the outfield. Uh, The third name is going quite a bit later than both of those guys. Yeah, Kyle Lewis. Uh, I guess a former prospect, kind of prospect. Um, he got a 
lot of power and apparently more speed this year. And they're talking about maybe even playing him in center field in Seattle. Um, he's available whenever your last round is. It seems like based on ADP, you can just take him at the end of your draft. It doesn't matter how deep your draft is. And definitely better in a Roto League because he strikes out like over 30% of the time. But his stat cast numbers last year, a 23% barrel rate, which is just unheard of. It's a very small sample size. Yeah. Obviously for him, only 43 batted balls and, and 10 of those were barreled. But I, I feel like to get six home runs and 75 plate appearances, you kind of have to have a barrel rate that high. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that that tells me much more. Well, you could play at Yankee Stadium. 75 plate appearances do. <laughs> You could be a Yankee. You don't need barrels to hit home runs there. Yeah. Shout out Didi Gregorius. Yeah. Well, he doesn't play for the Yankees. But he does have <laughs> he does seem to have good opposite field power. It's just look, he didn't show he didn't have I, I understand Lewis was injured for a ton of his minor league career, but he didn't really show much power there. And then yeah, he had like a 40% strikeout rate when he came up to the majors last year. Now I don't know that the strikeouts are going to be that big of a problem. But even at double A before getting called up, it was like 30%, which is still bad. I don't know. I mean, Kyle Lewis seems like a total wild card to me. I don't, I, I feel like the, the strikeouts put a clear limit on his upside. But if he's like, if he's like this poor man's Jorge Soler, I don't think that's, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And he goes super late. Again, I looked up his NFBC ADP for July, it was like 350. Um, and then in, on CBS, it's 297. So specifically in a Roto League, you could grab him as a reserve or maybe even a fifth outfielder in a deeper league. Um, Kyle Lewis, again, the name to remember. Um, not going to focus on ADP with the with the top-tier outfielders. I want to move on to starting pitchers and relief pitchers, so Heath can give us his favorites there. Um, but speaking of starting pitcher, Heath, one of the names here we have, I've, we've had like five months to prep for baseball, and we just have not talked about it at all. So I'm very interested to hear what you think about Johnny Cueto. I'm going to assume that's Johnny Cueto, <laughs> and he is coming back from an injury. But he's not like he was a guy that had to blow people away with his blazing speed. He knows how to pitch, and I think he'll come back and be just fine in a very good pitching environment. Um, Adam and Azer and I had many, many fights over Johnny Cueto over the last two years, and so I'm disappointed that no one's talked about him. But again, another guy that's just being drafted as if is just complete and total afterthought now. I think 350 was his ADP or something. Um, so yeah, Johnny Cueto, Rich Hill, and Blake Snell were my three favorites. Yeah, look, if Adalberto Montesi is the face of the shortened season, Rich Hill on the pitching side, Heath, it has to be the face of, you know, the shortened season. Just just try to make 12 starts, man. 12, <laughs> 12 starts. You, you can do it. That's he, all we... he had 14 last year. <laughs> yeah. I think most of them were in a row. <laughs> yeah, I, I moved them inside my top 40 starting pitchers, and I know, Scott, you have them right around 40. So, look, I don't. we've said it before. If he stays healthy, he's going to perform like a top 15, maybe even better than that pitcher. I mean, his ratios are that good. Right. I actually, in, in TGFBI, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, one of the, probably the largest of the, the experts leagues, it's, it's really more like a, a network of leagues than a, than a single league. Uh, but the first run of fab ran last night and it was, I think we drafted our teams back in February or we started drafting in February maybe. And it went into March. It was a long time ago. I had Noah Syndergaard as one of my <laughs> higher picks, obviously not going to get anything from him this year to replace him. Rich Hill 
way back then when nobody knew when he was coming back, he went undrafted. So he was out there. $1,000 fab budget. I spent $667 to get Rich Hill. I may have upgraded. My expectations for Rich Hill in the 60-game season may even be higher than uh, they were for Cindergard in a full-length season. Yeah, I, I would just point out, like, Rich Hill did make nine starts in a row last season. That's the longest stretch he had. Uh, <laughs> if all he does is 52 innings, 59 strikeouts, and a 260 ERA, and uh, looks like a whip about 1.12 or something, that'd be great. He had a 12-start stretch in 2018 where he had 67 innings with 73 strikeouts and a 282 ERA. Like, it's basically just if he stays healthy for 12 starts or even 10 – He's going to be a steal at the 40th pitch. Pick. Pitcher. Rich. <laughs> You're right, Chris. <laughs> uh, Rich Hill going off the board, pick 178 in the month of July over at the NFBC, which is round 15. Uh, the mocks that we've done recently, I've seen him closer to the 130, 140 range. And Scott and I, we both have him right around 150 in our top 300. So uh, we're kind of hedging our bet a little bit there. But I don't mind grabbing him as soon as you get to like, yeah, that one that's forty range. That's another one where, like, why would I take Jesus Lazardo if Rich Hill's off the board? I'm expecting probably similar workloads. I actually, I mean, I expect more from Hill. Yeah, Rich, Rich Hill, Hill will go deeper into more games. workload upside. They both yeah. have pretty questions about their workload, but like, like Jesus Lazardo might be better than Rich Hill, but that would probably require Rich Hill to have gotten worse since the Hill, last time we saw him. Hill could go seven innings in his very first start. Lazardo may not have a seven inning start all year. He might not have a seven-inning start until, like, 2023. <laughs> At this point, right? Uh, Heath, give us a closer that you are targeting for this season. Yeah, Taylor Rogers. I think the Twins really benefit from the fact they get to play um, just all of the terrible teams over and over and over again in the AL Central, and he may just lead the league in saves. Heath, let me ask you, would you take him... Right now, his ADP is uh, pick 84. He's going around that 7-8 turn. He's going just ahead of Kenley Jansen, Brad Hand, Ken Giles. Do you agree with that spot in ADP? Should he go ahead of those guys? I would take him ahead of all those guys, yeah. No worry about Sergio Romo being the uh, setup man there in his 85-mile-per-hour like fastball? They're going to, there's going to be some wacky stuff that happens, and there will be a few saves that you wish that he got that he doesn't. But the Twins are going to win enough games against this competition that there will be plenty of saves for Rodgers, too. All righty. Monday, in the books, we have our head-to-head points uh, listener league, podcast league tonight. And then Wednesday, the For the People League, head-to-head categories. Heath, that's your baby. And we're going to be drafting uh, together as adversaries. 16 teams. To- together as that. So we're not, doing, we're not doing joined teams, I guess. There's no, oh. So I don't have to share a team with Azer anymore? No, you, no, you and I shared a team. You said is, it was oh, did we share a team? Yeah, you yeah. and I shared a team. Okay. Well, I, okay, I'll, I'll draft my own team. <laughs> See how that works I out. Think I, I think I've missed that draft every year. So I think you've had to draft that one any, anyway. Uh, Chris, will you be there this year? Yeah, there's no. I believe it had been a concert at least each of the last two years that I had missed it for. So obviously no concerts going on right now. So I should be able to make that one. Yeah, I was going to say, you should, we'll uh, you should be you in know, the clear for this year. I'm a maybe on the RSVP. Heath, thank you so much for uh, joining us here and... Well, you know, hey, coming back I, to FBT. Thank you for having. I've been asking to come on for like four months, and I guess we had to wait until Adam wasn't going to be here, so I could. Oh, yeah, be on the show. I've, thank I've you. been saying no, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was all Chris. Um, he didn't want you to steal his uh, Giancarlo Stanton Thunder. But seriously, Heath, I mean, whenever you're around, if you uh, if you want to hop in, feel free. 
We'd love to have you back. Sounds good. Alrighty, for Heath, for Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching on the Fantasy Baseball Today YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.